And now, a real story from a real soldier. It's the Soldier Stories Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast Soldier. This week's Soldier Story begins. I'm your host, Fife, and in studio with me today, I have Aaron Heckle. Now, Aaron, you are a member of the United States National Guard, and uh, what years of service were you? I joined uh, 2004. And then I served until 2011. I was part of the Marinette Delta Company 2127. I was in the infantry. As we continue to talk about this, uh, do you guys have a patch? Yes, it's the 32nd Red Arrow Division. Was there any nicknames for your division? I know we were called the Death Dealers okay. at first, but then it came politically incorrect. and Had to change it up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Marinette, Wisconsin. And you spent all your life there before enlistment? Correct. Only in the military. I was able to move around just in the National Guard between okay. deployments and stuff. Till about two and a half, three years ago, I lived in Marinette my whole life, and now I live down here in Green Bay. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the years before enlistment. Uh, grew up in a good family, good area kind of situation. The Marinette, yeah, Marinette life wasn't that bad. Uh, stayed there, like I said, my whole life. Had a good mom. She uh, took care of us very well. So the reason, pretty much the reason why I joined uh, one of the platoon sergeants, him and his ex-wife used to change my diapers, but... Really? Uh, back before I joined, uh, that company used to be a tanker company. And so when I was really young, like back in the day, they had a tank that was in the parade. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So is that like the moment you see the tank driving oh, through the parade and you're like, I need that's to That's where I said the chills. I was like, oh, that is something I want to do. So that was kind of when it started to spark. You were a young, young kid then. Yeah. So let's jump to the high school years. You're in high school. I, I assume the first year, few years go by. Um, do you start really eyeing your dream of joining the military at that point? Yeah. So like I said, it was always like a dream of me to join the military. And uh, I didn't know the recruiter, but uh, I always told my grandma, she passed away in 2001, that I always wanted to join the military. And it's like, hey, I want to stick to this. Granted, that was when Iraq was starting to happen. And I'm like, well, if it's my Yeah, t- things, because you were you were in high school then Correct. when September 11th happened, and yep. that really changed the landscape. I was, I was a freshman, and I remember sitting in class. I was in my drafting class and seeing this all happen. I'm like, well, this is what it is. And I, I knew in my heart, like, I wanted to join the military. And it was just one of those things. I'm like... I'm going to do this. And so my junior year, it was five days after I turned 17, I went down to Milwaukee down at MEPS. It was at 17 years old. It was a thing that they called split op training. Okay. So my end of junior year, I went to basic. I came back. And then uh, my senior year, I obviously I was kind of a soldier already, but uh, I was still at the Marinette unit. But it was one of those things like I was playing football and the coaches knew I was in really good shape, so I was always running extra laps, extra up-downs, you know, push-ups. Like, oh, you're in shape. You're going to be doing more. You'll oh. be just fine. <laughs> uh, so then uh, graduated well, in 05. Well, real quick, before graduation, see, I'd never heard of <coughs> split-op before. Yep. So you went during your summer months and Correct. did basic training. Correct. So you did full-on basic training while you were still in high school. You came yep. back and then did your senior year. Yep. If your unit was called up while you were still in high school, would you have had to go? No. So I was, since I was not technically MOS qualified yet, so you can do basic training, which is nine weeks. Then you do your military schooling. So okay. I was in the infantry. Uh, if I'm correct, I think it was five weeks for infantry training. Okay. So after basic <clears throat> training, you would have gone to that if you were Correct. Okay. So you go back. And uh, let, let's skip this. Let's let's not even get into the senior year. That let's talk about basic training a little bit. <laughs> You're 17 years old. You're yeah. younger than most of the guys that are going in to basic training. So actually, crazy about that. Uh, my whole company that was uh, it was Delta 254 
uh, down in Fort Benning, Georgia, then my whole company was full of Wisconsin split up trainees. Okay. So so it was actually something pretty cool. I'm not sure if it was just something new that they came out with, but uh, my whole company was actually full of people. That were going to go back to high school. <clears throat> correct. Wow. And uh, I met a real good friend uh, from O'Connell. Uh, here was, I mean, me and him actually longer, I mean, later in the story, we went to uh, our first deployment together, second deployment together. Wow. So there are guys that you did your basic training with that you did your deployments with as Correct. well. That's that's crazy. Um, well, let's talk about the basic training. So you have to report to basic training. How are you <laughs> feeling? So in the infantry, uh, we're known for the blue cord. That's something that we earn. But like your drill sergeants uh, on their on their caps, they have like a blue disc behind like their uh, pin on their hat. And uh, there was like a lot of drill sergeants that weren't infantry. We're like, okay, those aren't the hard people. But right when you got down there, it's like you can see like the movies where they have like the lines for your haircut. Oh, and it's legit. Okay, there's like four barbers. You're sitting inside. And you don't have a choice. They're giving you the hairstyle they want, <laughs> yeah, which is like, not a whole lot. Like you got your Pauly Shore in the army now. <laughs> I just want a little bit off the top. Well, no. And then the guy just talks. And so they give you, a, it's called the Eagle Cash card. It's just like your, like a debit card, but it just says Eagle Cash. And you give them that. Okay. And it's like preloaded money that they give you. And so you walk up there and you're just sitting in the chair and straight clip. at one. Okay. Gone. How did you wear your hair prior to the military? Uh, it had a few different ways. I was mean, it longer though? <laughs> uh, at that time I parted it. Okay. So I mean, it was not that long, but it was kind of long. Okay. I mean, there was people that had some real long hair and I'm like, <laughs> so did you have fun watching them cut those guys? <laughs> yeah, out? that was some funny stuff. How, uh, how did it feel as you walked through those gates before the haircuts, oh. before of it, was it just was it your stomach turning? Were you nervous? Were you I, excited? I was kind of excited. Just uh, I I talked to a lot of people prior and like all hearing all the different crazy stories about it's going to be the toughest like nine ten weeks of your life. But then come time, you're going to look back at it and be like, I did it, like I passed, like I accomplished this ultimate thing that not many people have the heart to do. And now I just look back at it and I'm like. I did it. Granted, yes, it was very, very tough. Well, and the craziest part is, again, you still haven't even had your senior year in high no, school. No, Now, is there requirements for you to keep up with your physical abilities in that year between going to basic and showing up for your, your extended training? Yep. And, I mean, I still had their drill one week in a month, two weeks a year. Uh, but it was still – I still had to go to the unit – for the one weekend. I imagine if you showed up a little fatter, they were going to come on you. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) just because they knew that I went to basic already. And, uh, I mean, I still got shown the ropes, like all your weapon systems and all that stuff. So, I mean, come AIT, I was a little bit more knowledgeable. So, first morning, the drill sergeants come in. It's time to wake up and get your military career started. Uh, what happened? How did that play out? Do you remember that moment? I remember like the first interaction with the drill sergeants. Like we pulled into Fort Benning, Georgia, and you can just, we're all talking like, oh, this is going to be really cool. Then all of a sudden, it was just like your normal school bus that picked up at the airport, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> we're like, okay, whatever. It is what it is. We're going to make it work. And uh, we were just chilling. Next thing you know, we got three, four people coming and just yelling, get the heck off my bus. Okay, this is it. This is when it all starts. And uh, so right when you get to Fort Benning, Georgia, it's called 30th AG. Uh, that's where they do like your in-processing to get you all your gear, 
all your uniforms, your boots. Back when I joined, it wasn't ACU. So, I mean, so we, we saw the black boots where we needed the Kiwi to shine our boots. And okay. I mean, your old M16 A2s. Well, they and, and they train you. So every aspect of your military life when you get in, they train you how to dress, uh, how to take care of, of your uniforms. Oh, yeah. This is something that is spelled out for you. Yeah. Like there's an SP, like standard procedure on how to do this, this way that you're going to do it. This is the correct way. And did, you're going to do it. Did you hit way. any bumps along the way with this or did you uh, take to it fairly easily? After 30th AG, after in-processing, uh, my company was actually just right up the hill, we found out, but you got into old cattle trucks. I mean, you're old, like you're semi pulling a cattle truck and that's the way that we, have, we got transported everywhere. Okay. And uh, they made it like we drove around and there's like no windows and it was just your little metal tin on the top that would open up every once in a while to let out the hot air. But I just remember being like just riding around the way that they had our bags separated. So you had your A and B bag, which is just your uh, normal duffel bag. Then you had your laundry bag. So you had three bags. Our first day downrange, if you want to call it, we had uh, each platoon had three drill sergeants. So, I mean, there was four platoons. So, I mean, there's there was 12 uh, drill sergeants, and I can't remember how many people we had in each platoon. I think it might have been 30, 40 people. So, I mean, we had about 160 people. So, I mean, if you times that by everyone having each bag, they had three piles of bags. Said, okay, privates, you guys got two minutes. Find your bag. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> uh-uh. This ain't going to work. At this time, I mean, middle of the day, Fort Benning, Georgia, everyone's sweating. And you guys had to find your bags. And, it, like, after each two minutes, drop. So next thing you know, when you're, you're in the front leaning rest position, then you just hear in cadence, exercise, one, two, three. Oh. Oh. Then then you're just sweating. You're you're like, okay, yep. And they you, did this to you until every bag was correct. found? <laughs> I mean, this seemed like hours. <laughs> Everyone's just yelling, hey, this this J5553 or whatever. And you're just trying to listen for yours. Oh. And it, it, you're in the middle of a sand field. I mean, it's just sand everywhere. And you're just like, oh, man, this is this is disgusting. Yeah, imagine the training's probably <laughs> shifted at that point. Uh, I feel like our soldiers were trained for, for jungle warfare. And then eventually in the first Gulf War, we started to train for sand yep. countries. Um, so I assume all of your training was based around that for the most part. Well, I know. So I was in the infantry, so I was made for kicking indoors. Uh, that's what a lot of my training was. Okay. Uh, rock marches everywhere. To, I mean, that was a big thing was rock marches. So another thing that they did was force hydrate you. So, I mean, uh, I know I never, uh, I was never heat casualty or anything where we would have people that were just dehydrated and they would fall out. So, I mean, middle of the night, they would wake you up every two, three hours, uh, bring your canteen down and you're just chugging your canteen of water. And you got your five-gallon pill. You got a minute. Fill it up. And we're like, well, okay. Well, that's going to take a little longer than that. Then next thing you know, you chug whatever. Then they're like, okay, stop. Put it above your head. Dump it over your head. And they force hydrate you. Then they, okay, go back to bed. <laughs> this seems like half hour, 45 minutes later, they wake you back up again. Wow. That seems like, <clears throat> I mean, understandable that this needs to happen. You need to know about hydration yeah. specifically. Um, so uh, you're doing you're doing your basic training. Um for the eight weeks you're doing that, you said? Nine weeks. Nine weeks. Um, is it mostly just getting you in physical shape? There's not a lot of training for other things, or there, is there some weapons training? There was a lot like of that? weapons training, and uh, normal basic training is just a lot of ruck marches, walking around, being out in the field, learning nan- land nav, to reading a map, to there was a lot of uh, range time. Do you get downtime when you're in basic training? <clears throat> when I was, it was like the only day kind of was Sunday. 
And to be brutally honest, uh, I went to like your Jewish services okay. just because uh, they, they, they served bagels <laughs> and donuts. <laughs> So, uh, there was a few guys that, uh, uh, said, Hey, heckle, come, come, come check this out. Uh, okay. So next, you know, I got the yarmulke and <laughs> you just rolled with it. I, I rolled with it. Okay. I was like, okay, I can, I can go, I can go eat a bagel. Like I was always a, at that time. I mean, I was probably six foot, 195 pounds. I was still technically like overweight, but I would. I was fine, but there was like some super skinny people in our company that get to eat anything and everything that they wanted. And I was like, I can have a bagel <laughs> with cream cheese. <laughs> what? So was it, uh, what, let's talk about the food a little bit in basic trading. Um, different guys got to eat different things. Is, yeah, is it, so it was tailored like a, to you specifically? No. So most of the time, uh, like, especially like breakfast, we always had grits. So grits. <laughs> the, the way that you made it better was you get your little like plastic packet of peanut butter or uh, syrup every once in a great while, you put it that in there. Okay. And uh, so in line, uh, you just hear the lady last for her or your solo show and everything. And I remember, I just remember like the drill sergeant's always hitting on them. Okay. <laughs> that, that lady at the front desk. And all of a sudden then you see the other people, the cooks and everything and six foot five, 350 pound women. Next man, what you want, baby? <laughs> <laughs> then you start looking around. You're like, okay, this is for real. So what kind of food are we talking? What, what did you guys have? Let's say an average breakfast. You had grits and what else? Anything? Some scrambled eggs, toast. Uh, then the last guy that was always in line, somehow it always managed to be like me. Or I was, I was always in the fourth squad. So for some odd reason, like I was always running late. Uh, I was always the last person in my squad. So whenever the last person came in, you would have to say, You'd have to yell out last man. Then drill sergeants would say, five minutes, let's go. So it's one of those things. I, I've been starting to slow down still, and I've been out for a few years now. But uh, Eat fast. The, the wife hated that for the longest time. Like yeah. She'd be eating her appetizer, and all my food's gone. Okay. But in basic, it was one of those things you hurry up and you tasted it later. Well, it becomes learned behavior. You do it over and over again. Yeah. It becomes a habit. I mean, yep. and, and isn't that reality for what you do in basic training you do the same things over and over again so yeah. it becomes second nature to you yep like i mean come times for like weapon systems i could still take take my my ar apart blindfolded and clean every single crack and crevice people just think it's so crazy i'm like well when you've done it for seven years yeah i mean it's just it, normal yeah so um with basic training uh coming to a close let's say we're getting down to the last last week week and a half um how are you feeling at this point i was pr- i was really really excited uh at that time like we had to buy calling cards and we had pay phones back in that day i mean kids these days every once in a while they get their cell phones and i'm like cell phones back in 2004 man you had the motorola flip phone right and I'm, that was high tech then and it's so weird because 2004 for me doesn't seem that long ago but it also seems like forever ago i don't know how else yeah. to explain it Part of me is like, man, that wasn't that long ago. And then the other part of me is like, oh, my God, that's 15 years yeah. ago. What happened? Yeah. So, and yeah. From there, like I said, we just had to buy calling cards. And every once in a while, I mean, you got to call your family. But it was one of those things, like, during our time, you had 15 minutes, but that was for the company. Did you ever get in trouble while you were in basic training? Uh, my first day, for some odd reason, somehow I looked the drill sergeant in the eye. Like, I know I didn't, but... And next thing you know, he's he's pointing at me like four fingers, like, uh oh, 
I'm in trouble. Oh man. And that, that's that first day. That was like the only day I actually, well, how did they obviously I'm assuming pushups or something. Oh like yeah. That. Pushups. But it was one of those things like that drill sergeant was yelling at me. All of a sudden two other drill sergeants came right in my face. I'm like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> And at that time, like when they're talking, they're almost like spitting in your face, and you're like, "Uh." So you were surrounded. Oh, I was scared. I was like, my heart was just pounding. I'm like, "Okay, no." See, and and I've heard people say, "Oh, I've got a problem with authority. I could <laughs> I could never have that." I feel like you have a problem with authority till you have three grown ass <laughs> drill instructors screaming oh. in your face. I feel like your problem with authority melts away pretty oh, quick. Yeah. We did have one drill sergeant uh, for anyone that was in my company, like my battle buddy. I mean, he knew we had this one drill sergeant. His name was Drill Sergeant Gaisley. He was a little, a uh, little white guy, about five foot eight. But we actually seen him toss a full grown person, and we're like, okay, that guy's scary. And like, it was one of those things. Like when he got in your face, yeah, I'm six foot two now. But I mean, at that day, I was six foot. I mean, he came. His drill, his stuff of his hat came to my nose. But it's one of those things. You're looking straight forward at him. You never look down because next thing you know, he's right in your face then. Do you ever have the urge to look up your drill instructors on Facebook to see <laughs> see what their life is like outside of being a drill instructor? No. Have you ever looked any of them up? Well, back then, 2004, uh, oh, was there? No, I don't think there well, was. Well, not even then. I mean now. <clears throat> oh, you're no. out of the military. Oh. Have you ever looked any of no. them up? No. I, no, I'm good. I feel like I'd want to know. I Because <laughs> I, I always wondered, I, what would it be like for you? To be down in Georgia for whatever reason, and you're at the grocery store, <laughs> and you just turn around and see your drill instructor in natural, normal world. Like, that would be crazy. Like, <laughs> well, then we never knew their first names. Oh, okay. Like, they're always Drill Sergeant Gaisley, Drill Sergeant Rodriguez. My uh, my platoon sergeant drill instructor was actually on the cover of Time Magazine. Oh, really? Uh, him and his squad were the first people to jump off the plane into Iraq. Oh. And... uh. Like he he had this uh toy not a toy chest but a chest and uh, we seen that and uh, he's like okay once you guys graduate I'll show you guys some legit stuff so here it was the guy had blood money he had all kinds of uh, coins from everything from like and he actually showed us the cover of Time magazine it's gotta be a little crazy yeah to come you know? think it's like okay this guy. He has some stories. I mean, he told us some stories. So he was one of the first to yeah. jump into Iraq. So we're talking 2003? Correct. When we, when I think we officially, it was. When we officially declared that we were going to enter their country, I think. I, think I, remember, the, I remember being in, I was in uh, tech school at the time for radio, and I remember they called everybody down to the lobby because the president was addressing the nation that night. And I remember him saying, you have, I think it was six days or something like that to turn yourself over to authorities mm-hmm. where we're coming in. And I remember there was such a divide in the crowd of people that were sitting in that lobby. And I remember some people were like, yeah, you know, you're six, you're six shooters. That's right. You know, go get them, George. You know, yep, or, yep. Uh, it was just like, it was weird. And then you had these other people that were like, we're going to be in this war forever. There's yeah. no out to that war. And here we are. I think I read, um, I think I read, uh, an article recently that said this is the first war. I mean, technically, it's, I don't know what they call it, a conflict. It was operations. Operation. This is the first time that a father and a son could possibly have served in the same operations. We actually did have uh, one that uh, he's a, he got out as a sergeant major, but he was a, 
he was a first sergeant at that time. I still talk to him every once in a while. He's in the area. And then his son is crazy now. <clears throat> wow. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it has been that long. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So we're getting down to the end of basic training. Did your family come down to watch yes. you graduate? So uh, my mom, stepdad, and my grandma and my sibling came down. They drove down there. I remember uh, graduating. Uh, I remember the coolest thing I wanted to buy was a camelback. Like, I thought that was going to be the most coolest thing ever. So I bought a camelback. And I was like, okay, I'll drive home. Well, I filled that thing up with Monster. <laughs> so, I mean, two and a half months without no caffeine at all. And I got a camelback full of Monster. I remember, I think we got to like lower Michigan. I can't remember how many hours upon hours of driving it was, but I just remember grab it, grabbing the wheel and I was just twitching out. I'm like, yeah, I'm wide awake. I'm ready to go. They're like, okay, yup, we need to stop. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit wired right now. It <clears throat> tends to happen when you have too much monster. <laughs> so you get back, uh, you got to go back to normal civilian life for a year. I mean, yeah. obviously you have your weekends, you have to report, but. How weird is that? Because you now know what it's like to live a military life yep. or, or po- at least a, a good portion of it. Yep. And, and now you have to head back into civilian life and try and readjust. Yeah. Did, did friends and, and family treat you differently? Some of them uh, back in high school. Yeah. Like I, at, especially then, like I, there was like a group of us that were all like military people or military that were planning to join. And I was like, oh yeah, dude, I can tell you some stories. I was in basic already. Like, oh, cool. Really? I'm like, yeah, Fort Benning, Georgia. So, I mean, there's, like I said, our clique, our club people, or whatever you want to call us. Did the adults, did the teachers <clears throat> treat you differently? Did they treat you? There was there was some that were, like, military vets, and they they like they would, they would tell us some cool stories. Okay. So there was a respect level that a little you, bit, yeah. you were making that decision. Yep. Okay. So now you're living the civilian life. What was the weirdest part to readjust to at that point? Because, again, like, you've only done basic. You yep. haven't done any deployments. You haven't even done your full training yet. Yep. But there's still a big difference in boot camp and normal life. So thing, what was it like to readjust? The not shaving every day, I I hated that. Like especially like I was able to make it. Like it depends. It depended on what time of the day I would shave. Like if I could like somehow manage to get to about noon to maybe one two o'clock, I can maybe make it the next day. But like I had really dark facial hair, so I like the four o'clock shadow they would call it. And you rock a handlebar mustache. No, now. yeah. I'm a little I, jealous because I'm almost 40 and I can't grow a beard for nothing. I freedom mean, stash, I call it. For nothing. A freedom well, stash. For, for, for the longest time, I had the full beard. I got pictures of the full beard. Okay. But now I'm a first responder firefighter where I currently work. Okay. So you so, have to be able to have the uh, what is the it? scuba the, gear. The suction to yeah. the face, right? Yep. So you can't have it. But you can have the mustache. Correct. Or the Fu Manchu, it. they call it. The Fu Manchu is acceptable. Yep. Okay. Um. <laughs> so you, you had to readjust for a while. You had to do your, your weekly visits yep. to uh, or monthly, <clears throat> monthly, right? Correct, monthly. Monthly, once, a, and you'd go for the whole weekend, and there'd yep. be training involved. Uh, graduation from high school is coming up now. At that time, I knew like I had to pass all my stuff, pass all of my classes, because it's one of those things, like if you failed class, then you had to reschedule your, uh, your, your AIT. And I just knew that I graduated – I was pretty stoked that I graduated high school with enough credits and everything. And I'm like, okay. So come time, I think it was like, I think, don't you normally graduate like April, May time? I know I left in June of 2005 for AIT down to Fort Benning, Georgia again. And uh, so once we actually got down there, we actually got treated. Uh, so the new drill, or the drill instructors then never did a split up training. So they're like, okay, well, you guys are kind of soldiers already. Because you guys are already done basic, so like okay, so now we just need to focus on infantry. Did Infan- they treat you a little better than the original <laughs> oh, yes. drill sergeants? Oh yes. What 
What was the biggest difference between your original drill sergeants and then the drill sergeants you're dealing with now? Oh, just they were a lot more laid back. Like, I mean, we still did a lot of physical training wise every morning, but it was more like kind of not like we call them smoking sessions. It was like in your face, get down now, do push-ups in cadence really fast. So it was a lot more laid back, but there was still more physical training every single morning. You were up, I think it was like four or five o'clock. Okay, you're out there doing hour, hour and a half. Next thing you know, you're in the shower, go go to shower. You're back downstairs half hour later, breakfast. Then there was like a lot of classroom work to learning the weapon systems to a lot of field work. So in, in the infantry. Were you, were you specifically trained for anything... Um, within the infantry, no, it's just or a, was it just a little bit of everything? They just called us ground pounders. We are the guys ruck marches everywhere. Okay, to a lot, a lot of time out in the field, uh, a lot of the land nav to just walking everywhere in Fort Benning, Georgia. That's all it was. How long were you in this training? Uh, I think it was five weeks, five or six weeks. Okay, so you had your nine weeks of basic, <clears throat> then you went back to high school, and now you had five weeks of training on the weapon systems and how they yep. work and things like that. So uh, the coolest story about AIT, not really coolest, but uh, scariest, uh, last day of FTX, it's called. Like your last, it was I think it was seven or eight days out in the field. Uh, you have this final ruck march. That was what everyone always talked about. Like it was the longest ruck march. Ours would have been 15.6 miles. But, uh, I don't even like to park in the far parking spot at a grocery <laughs> store. And, I mean, that's nothing. you got to think your IBA, your Kevlar, your your weapon you're carrying. Yeah, but how your... much weight did you have to carry uh, when, when you're out on the field? Like, so, between everything, what would you say the extra weight was? The the back, your rucksack was about 50, 60 pounds. Ooh. That's nothing. But, uh, I mean, then you also had your vests. We just had, like, your gear that had, like, your canteen to your metal tin cop, to your pouches that would carry your empty magazines. But uh, if you look up Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, soldiers, uh, I think there was 13 of us. Our platoon got struck by lightning. Oh, no. If you look up Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, I think it was July 2005, our platoon actually got struck by lightning. Uh, it was it was coming down pretty good. Our rest of our company was in the lightning disposal area, and uh, our platoon was in the tree line. It's downpouring rain. We saw it was like a hurricane, like strong winds. All of our gear was downed. It was uh, it was starting to like flood in our area. So there was some guys with uh, trenching tools, like your shovels, digging tunnels around us. And uh, I remember sitting around a tree just hovering. And it was, it was starting to get cooler because it was going to be at nighttime. We were going to do our ruck march. So it wasn't middle of the day, super hot sun, blacktop. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Uh, there was actually two guys that had burn marks on their feet from exit wounds. Wow. Uh, they had to stay overnight in the hospital. But it was one of those things. Uh, the drill instructors uh, were talking to the MP or military police. And uh, obviously, they're not going to believe the privates, the, the new guys. They're not going to believe them. But uh, they, the drill instructors were like, oh, yeah, everyone was in the lightning spoles area. But prior, like that lightning strike hit, like it was just, I just remember seeing the, a flash like behind me. And then my left leg gave out. Like I was, then I fell down to the ground. Wow. I remember a few guys screaming medic. We were like, what the heck just happened? And uh, everyone's screaming. The next thing you know, you got every single drill instructor running towards us. And uh, everyone, like I said, our whole company actually got struck, but only so many of us went to the hospital. I actually still got my reports saying like they, we had to stay there for a while to check all of our vitals. I mean, all of us were fine. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, you were in a strike zone. Yeah. And uh, that's 
man, I can't even imagine the odds of that. I just and so and from then on, like we all got bussed back, and like so the after your last day of FTX, when you do that ruck march, you go to uh, I uh, can't remember what hill it is, but like Victory Hill or something like that. I can't remember what it is on Fort Benning, Georgia. Like that's where the ultimate thing to do is. That's where you get. That's where you earn your cross rifles in the infantry. That's like that's like the last step is your cross rifles. And uh, so that's where, like, you would have had your ceremony. Well, there was none of that because we all got bust back. And, I mean, there was a big investigation and nothing ever came about of it. So did you have to do that march then? or No, nobody did. Wow. We all got bust back. And so, I mean, it was pretty cool to say, hey, we didn't have to do that final rock march. But for a bunch of us, like, they were almost calling in helicopters because there was, like, a few guys that were, like I said, they had burn marks. It's crazy. Uh I mean, to actually see them guys, we're like, okay, those guys must have been the guys that were had the shovels in their hand. Talking to some of the other guys in our company, they said that they remember seeing like the lightning strike come down and it just spread like a spider web. And, and does that, and everybody ended up okay in the end? Yeah, nobody. Just besides the burn marks on the two guys, like they they kept their boots because there was burnt marks on their feet. Crazy. Um. So your your actual graduation ceremony? It it was pretty small, <laughs> like. I, it was just one of those things, uh, like my family didn't come down, which I didn't really care, but we graduated. We all got a, like our blue cord that we all got. Like I said, that was just the thing that we, that you earned too. Well, what happens after that? Are you just released? You can go. Yep, you're like- released. Uh, so then they give you like your itinerary saying, okay, uh, you gotta be, uh, there's going to be a shuttle going to the airport at this time. I'm like, okay, this is your flight. Uh, and that's when you're going to leave to go back home. Okay. So this was in. August of 2005-ish, I think it was. That you got to come back to Marinette. <laughs> Correct. And then you're just waiting for orders at that so, point? <clears throat> at that point, uh, it was a they just came out with it, but it was a company called RSP. It was an Oshkosh. Uh, that's where all like your brand new recruits would go to your split-up training people. So at that time, the Radiance NCO, or, or if you want to say like the HR NCO pretty much, uh, there was the recruiter that got me in. And... Uh, at that time, that first month that I, I went there, I was the only MOS qualified private there. And uh, I was part of the blue phase, which was the people that went to basic already that uh, is in their, in their beginning of senior year. Uh, you got dudes coming in with not shaved uh, to no haircuts. You had girls coming in with all kinds of makeup on, nails all done. And you got these acting drill sergeants that were recruiters in reality. And I, I, they just stick out like a sore thumb. You just knew. Okay. And, uh, I mean, we're doing little ruck marches just around a few blocks, and there's people, like, falling back to we're doing a little jog, and I, I'm getting treated like crap because I I should be helping these people out, and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I want to go to, it's called rear debt. That's where, like, the non-deployable people would have been. Okay. And they're like, they're like, heckle, you'll get more better training here than at rear debt. I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Like, I'm getting treated like poop here because... Apparently, I need to square these people away. Huh. <clears throat> and so, August, September time, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Welding, uh, Wallace and Welding. They were the first two people out of our company that got killed. Okay. Uh, so, I was, in reality, I was actually the replacement for those guys. Oh, wow. So, uh, rewind a little bit. Uh, I was still going to this RSP place, and uh, Reddy Ancencio, his name is Sergeant Gunderson, I was like, Gunderson, I need to get out of here. Like, I'm going to go AWOL because I can't deal with this place. So I actually planned to go active duty. I went and talked to the active duty recruiter. I said, hey, 
I forgot about stop loss. You probably heard about stop loss. Since my unit was actually activated, I was not able to transfer out or move or anything. Oh, so, so you were stuck. I was stuck. I'm like, well, my last resort is AWOL because I'm, I'm ready to get out. Like, I want to go missing. I don't want... I don't want to be at this company anymore. He's like, well, I just heard about those two guys that got killed. And uh, I was like, uh, Sergeant Gunderson is like, heckle. We're going to be taking volunteers uh, for the replacements. I said, okay. So I remember at that time I was working at Walmart up in Marinette. And uh, I remember getting that call. He's like, heckle, they chose you. Uh, You're going to report in two weeks. I said, okay, good. I'm done. And uh, so this was December of 05. It was actually in November I got that call. And I was like, okay, this is legit now. Like, this is for real. So you knew where, where you were going at this point? <clears throat> yeah, it was Camp Navstar, Kuwait. So you've got two weeks to get everything in order. What do you have to, what do you get done before you leave? Talking with the family. Uh, hey guys, this is legit. Like, uh, I'm, a, I'm getting, I'm a replacement for these two guys. And I was like, I know what I'm doing is convoy security all through Iraq to, uh, I know where I'm going to be. At that time, I was like, I was, I was all gun ho hoorah, hey, I'm ready to go. I want to do something. And uh And you were about to. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was legit. Like I had the orders. I'm like, okay, this is real now. So what happens? Uh you have to report to another airport? I actually reported to headquarters, which is in Appleton. And so from there, that's where uh uh at Marinette I actually met up with my battle buddy that I went to basic with that was in my company, Ryan Kozatsky. Uh so it was actually really, really cool to say, okay, I'm going with someone. So then at that time, once we reported down to Appleton, there was one other guy from the Green Bay unit at that time that we all met up in Appleton. Like that night, we remember uh, going out. We went to Funset Boulevard. We played laser tag. Nice. Like there's these three guys that all, oh, yeah, we'll beat anyone. Me and my buddy Kasatsky, he had doubled their amount of kills. I had their amount of kills. <laughs> They're like, oh, you guys cheated. Well, no, you- we're trained. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we told them. Like, well, you guys cheat. <laughs> no, we just know how to do room clearing. We know how to properly not run around with the chicken with your head cut off. To Who knew you could apply <laughs> military training to I know. laser tag? For real. <laughs> and I still do that. Like I, I scan around corners with my hands up. Hey. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So you uh, you had a little hurrah with your buddies before you headed yep. out. So uh, then we from there, we had to report to Fort Bliss, Texas. So once we actually got down there, I think it was like on a Saturday we left. So it was like Sunday night we got there and uh, they're like, okay, yep. Uh, who are you guys? Uh, Heckle, Kazatsky, Dave's. Oh, we, we started the cycle already. Like, huh? Like, yeah, you guys are just going to be holdovers for a week. Huh? Kazatsky, he was old enough. So we actually met up with a medical holdover guy and we were able to go downtown. He had a rental car. So, I mean, we actually got to go off base and check out Fort Bliss, Texas. To, I mean, at that time, we're like, hey, we don't like they don't know who we are. Like, as long as we're getting paid, I guess in reality yeah. at that time. So, I mean, come like Monday morning, we show up to formation. Who are you guys? <laughs> uh, we're like, okay. They're like, yeah, you guys don't need to report. Okay. So, I mean, we got to sleep all day. Uh, at that time, that was when, the, right when the Sony PSP just came out and I just got my first like active duty paycheck because you get paid every first and 15th. And I was like, I'm going to the PX. I'm going to go buy a PSP. So I was super stoked. I went and bought the Sony PSP. And uh, so at that time they had, I think they had, yeah, they had Wi-Fi. So you're able to look at the internet there. And uh, so like I said, we were just holdovers for a week. So, I mean, we got to eat, sleep, go to the mall anytime we wanted. And then it was time to ship out. So then come that following week, uh, you had to like your, it was almost, it was only a week training, which is so weird. Like my unit are the 
227, like they actually went to Camp Shelby, Mississippi for six months. And I'm like, I'm doing a week only? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Is there some things that I'm not getting yeah. that I'm supposed to? I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, it, it is what it is. So it was a lot of just like paperwork, make sure you got your will all figured out, your life insurance policies. That's got to be scary, man. It's, it's got to yeah. be a little creepy. At that time, yeah. I mean, I the highest life insurance policy was like 400000 I'm like, I guess my mom would be set for a little bit. <laughs> but uh, so it was one of those things. Uh, so then I got overseas. Then we're at uh, Camp Beering in Kuwait. And did you have to report to anybody specific? So once we got into Kuwait, uh, we were just chilling. Like So once you got there, it was like your main – that's where everyone flew in. Okay. So it was, there was just us three guys. We're like, okay. Like there was like one area that you would have to go check in, but – Man, they had like a Burger King on base, a McDonald's. Really? But we called it mystery meat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it tasted good. <laughs> but I mean, oh, they had a who knows? they had a Subway on base. They, so I mean, they had some, it was really cool. Like, but I still remember like coming off that plane. Like, you can ask anyone like those stories. Like, you think it's just the like the heat coming off the the jets? They're like, oh man, it's so hot. Then everyone's like, "Oh no, you're just by the you're just by the jets of the plane. You're fine." So you walk out into a, just a wall of heat. Oh, it's disgusting. Does it just suck the air out? Well, everyone says it's a dry heat, but you can go to like Jeff Dunham and say, "Well, you don't see me putting my butt over a fire." You call that <laughs> a dry heat? But I mean, it was hot. Yeah, but it was still a dry heat. But it's nothing still like here. Very bright when the oh, doors opened. Yeah, I mean, sun's up. All you see is sand. We're like, okay, well, and I can't remember how long I was there at Camp Beering. So then we were trying to make calls to our base. We're like, hey, we got guys here. And so all three of us, once we actually got to Camp Navistar, Kuwait, we, us three guys all got split up. So it was kind of weird because I was hoping to be with my buddy. Yeah. At this time, you're in Kuwait. Yes, you don't hear really bad stories about Kuwait. But, but once you've gone on so from there, so, did they sit you down and say, look, this is what you need to expect? Yeah, so... Camp Navistar Kuwait was actually right on the border of Iraq. So it was legitly not even half a mile away. Uh, it was just a little road. I mean, you had your Kuwaiti security. Then there was actually another uh, a group of like National Guard people that were on the border too. But once you actually crossed, I remember going across the wire the first time, like I just thinking, hey, this ain't no Call of Duty no more. Like you can't press pause. If you're getting shot at or blown up, like there ain't no reset button to, mm-hmm. I mean, I, mean, I could talk about experiences like the first time I actually seen some body parts to, uh, I mean, it was just scary. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, coming back to like outside the wire the first time, I'm just like, okay, like this is it. I made it. <laughs> then just going across the border. So at that time, I was a route security uh, element. So right into the uh, town, into Iraq, it's called Safwan. So we got to interact a lot with the, with the city. So... Uh, we did convoy security. So there was three gun trucks to a normal 30-truck convoy. Now it's called your white uh, convoy. And then you had your green convoys, which was your other military personnel, like your hats to your heavy trucks. Most of the time, we just drove supplies. Okay. But, like, your green trucks had, like, tanks on them, two different vehicles. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool seeing this stuff. But at that time, I was this route security. I stayed in Safwan. And so the thing was that uh, there was always, like, it would bungee you up like trucks would get separated and it'd be hijackings oh so there was like so many different alleys like right when you right when we crossed the border we called this one spot action alley where 
it was like open field and that's where it just came into all the houses. So this was like the alley. I remember like my first hijacking, I was up in the gunner's hatch and uh, we were actually, it was about not even a quarter mile up the road. And we could see like the trucks were starting to bungee up a little bit. I'm like, hey guys, like this is starting to get a little too big. Then uh, all of a sudden I heard some gunshots. What went through your mind the <clears throat> moment you heard those gunshots? Like this is for real now. I've not been in this situation. Do you yep. have an opportunity to be scared or do you instantly go into this is it's time? This is time. Like this is where all your training that you've done, this is where your training is now. Like this ain't like I said, ain't no call of duty where you get all these people on these games thinking they're all they could do it. Well, come time when you actually gotta pull up your weapon to actually possibly shoot someone, well, this is a whole different story. So this this uh, <laughs> this convoy bungeed up. You heard the gunshots, and at that time, uh, so uh, like the corner. So at that corner, we, there was like a Jiffy Lube, we called it, and a Seven Eleven. Those were the two stores. There were like we got to know that family. Like they were actually one of the rich people in the fa- in Safwan. Okay, I mean we bought RC Cola that was manufactured in Kuwait at that place. It was a dollar, and it was your two liters. Like we were super happy to get RC Cola. How did? Um... <clears throat> How did the people treat you in that Most area? of them uh, were very, very great. Uh, like probably one of my coolest stories, it's kind of sad to say, but there was a girl that we nicknamed her Frankenstein. Oh. Uh, she had some face deformities, and but uh, my grandparents used to send me all kinds of goodies, and I was known for the goodie guy. <laughs> like, my, like they almost knew like our truck. I was the smallest guy in my truck. At this time, I'm six foot, almost 200 pounds. My battle buddy, he was like 6'2", 225, and my team leader was like 6'5", 250. So, I mean, we were known as the big guys. And so, uh, like, one day, I remember getting a five-pound bag of Jolly Ranchers. And I'm like, okay. Grandpa put in a note, hey, he wants to see some pictures of, like, giving it to kids. I'm like, okay. Well, I seen that girl, and I'm like, hey. So, we called her over, and uh, here it was. It was right next to her house. And uh, we were, it was right, at, right by Action Alley. And uh, we were sitting outside of there, and it was just one of those things. I'm like... She's like, wait, wait, Mr. Mr. Wait. So we're just sitting outside of the, uh, then all of a sudden her mom comes out and over there, uh, uh, female talking to like us, like she didn't even have her full head wrap on. And it was just one of those things. Like it was like a big disrespect thing for them over there for females to do that. But she came out with a little shot glass. I'm like, what is this? My team leader's like, heckle, that's tea. I'm like tea. He's, and so they had a little baby spoon with some sugar. And it was, I don't like tea. Like, okay. I'm not a fan of tea at all by any means. I have a feeling you chugged it, though. So at that time, my my, my team leader, Sergeant Salas, was like, heckle, you're going to drink that, and you're going to act like you like it. Because over there, that's that's like their thing, like Crystal wine over here. Like, this is their thing, that mm-hmm. they take very highly respect over this beverage. I would honestly go back to that Safwan Iraq, to that house, to get that tea. It was that good. I would perfectly just go over there. And like I said, so it's one of those things she's like, she's like, Mr. Stir, drink. Okay. And so it was Luke. It was actually, I almost say like lukewarm, but it was warm tea. And so I don't, I'm like, at first I was, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, did she poison me? Cause over there you don't know. Right. It's, it's gotta be, <laughs> uh, there's gotta be this, like this line of who do you trust? Scary. Every time a person walks up to you yeah. because you just don't know. And I'm, you don't know. And you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know who's waiting in their home. You you have no yep. idea. This isn't – I think a lot of people – I don't know if people realize that the wars have changed. It's not yeah. like Kids the revolutionary get war where you had a side here and a yep. side here and they shot at each other. 
you're there's, in a city. Yeah. And people can be anywhere. Yeah. They could be behind you, front of you, underneath you. So it was one of those things like, so I drank it. And I was like, okay, this is legit. Like, this is good. And she's like, oh, thank you, mister. The whole family came out, said thank you to me. Did you have to pick up on uh, certain words and in, in language so while said, you were there? Uh, they did teach us some Arabic, but we had like a like a book with us. Okay. So, I mean, but like second deployment, we actually had to log so many hours with Rosetta Stone. Okay. So, I mean, that's later on in the story. Okay. I mean, I can still speak Arabic. All right. So, I mean, besides that story, I mean, I had other stories like us playing soccer with some kids to, uh, we actually went and seen one of the uh, tunnels, like, or uh, tombs, underground tomb. Oh, wow. Like, where there was, like, bloodshed everywhere to bullet holes. Oh. Like, it was actually, well, at that time, it was pretty cool to see, but I'm like, to pe- for those people that actually had to do that, like... I mean, then also there was a place called RP-13 as a radio pulse 13. So it was right into the, uh, right across the border. It was like a huge mountain. Okay. That, uh, it was ran by some army people and some British. So the Brits were up there. Like we would go up there every once in a great while. It wasn't often. Like if there was no convoys coming out, like we could take like a little road trip up there. And it was this coolest thing. Like we would talk with the Brits like, hey, you guys got 50? Like, yeah, we got the 50 up on our truck. Okay, we'll bring our weapons out. So next thing you know, we're shooting all the British weapons. We're like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's kind of neat that you were able to interact with people that are yeah. literally across an entire ocean normally. Yeah. You're so right there with them. Uh, there was a lot of interaction with a lot of different people. Uh, we had uh, Japanese, I think it was, uh, uh, Poland, Polish people. So it was, it was a cool experience. My first deployment, yeah. I mean... It was besides getting shot at every once in a while. So it was another thing that they did was celebratory fire. And like we would get intel saying, okay, yep, this person passed away or this person uh, is getting married. Expect some fire. Okay. So I remember like the very first time actually seeing that, like a dude with an AK shooting up in the air. I'm like, they're like, don't do anything because at that time, that's what they do. It's, it's, it's their respect thing. But it was at that time, like, okay, am I going to have to like, Keep your weapon down, but just keep an eye out if right. if come time. But it was just one of those like scary moments when I first seen that. When I actually legit could see a guy with a gun, like okay, it would only within it within shooting range yeah. of you. Yeah, and it was just like okay, if this is it, like if this is my time to go, I'm gonna go. And it's interesting that you know that was one of the things you had to watch out for. I, as I listened to you talk about it, the, the things you had to be careful of and cautious of, it's, it's gotta be a weird for you because you know, this is all different from what yeah. you know. This is a completely different world. I mean, there was actually, I seen some IEDs that luckily didn't hit our truck, it hit a truck behind us. Uh. I mean, our truck did take some strap metal, but I was sitting down. I was fine. So how does that work? Let's say the truck behind you, as you said, took the ID. Yep. Um, do you guys keep going? We, with the so you gotta you gotta try to push out of that area. And uh at that time that truck got left behind and it was it was wasn't one of it was a we'd call them TCNs, third country nationals, third contractors. But it was one of the trucks that got uh it was kind of some kind of food, I can't remember what it was. And it was just like, Okay, we need to get out of the, the area because what if so do you grab the wounded or the hurt or the driver and then take At that off time, or you no, just, we just leave? We had to just push out of the area. One of the trucks would stay, and uh, we just had to try to get the rest of the convoy out of that area. Right. Because what if it was actually a big group of people that were coming in that was trying to light up your whole area? Sure. So you just kept driving. Okay. And uh, and it was just like, okay, where? That was the first one. I was just like, ooh, 
well, I thank God no. Like, like I'm not sure if it just got timed wrong or what. Like, it didn't hit our truck completely. Yeah, man, that's just got to be terrifying. <laughs> but, I mean, in the military, you got that mindset, okay, you're you're going to go with it, and you're gun-ho, okay. But now I look back at it, and I'm like, why was I not scared crapless? Why didn't I crap my pants to I mean, it was just, now I look back, I'm like, wow, that was some scary stuff. How long were you there in your first deployment? I was nine months. Nine months. And then you come home? I came home uh, August of 2006. And then <clears throat> you just stay there until your next deployment? Or no, so are you that reporting time, to a base? I was reporting to uh, Marinette, uh, the National Guard company up there. Okay. And uh, so, I mean, I went back to work at Walmart. Next thing you know, I met my wife now. And it was, I mean, just funny to say I'm 19. She was 18. I mean, been together, I mean, 13 years and all. Okay. But uh, from there, uh, and I think it was August of 06, so it was uh, 2007, our battalion. We actually got cho- we got selected. We had It was called OJS, Operation Jumpstart. Arizona, here we come. Border Patrol. Really? Oh. Well, if you talk to any of us guys, oh, OJS. <laughs> well, let's do this. Let's end this podcast here. Okay. And then we will talk about Border Patrol. And then you were also deployed a second time? Correct, 2009, 2010. All right. We're going to talk about that on the next podcast. Again, Aaron Heckel uh, was with the Marinette 2127 Delta Company out of Marinette with the National Guard. And um, we're going to be chatting about the uh, next round of big events within his military career and then the readjustment back into civilian life after leaving the military. We're going to talk about all of that on the next podcast, the Soldier Stories podcast. Uh, My name is Fife, and I'll see you next week.